everyone and welcome to the universe of roast my name is Amy Nafandi and I'm your host and today we have a very special guest well actually I'm the guest in his house <laughs> so, <laughs> because I have a floating shit in my apartment <laughs> right now with a thank you German uh, landlord um, Mr. Ben McLean hello everyone how are you I'm good, thank you. It's an, it's an honor to be here. Yo, I'm actually this honored is, to be here. It's <laughs> so. an honor to do a podcast in my own apartment. Exactly, yes. <laughs> you feel like you're real started. I, I had to come to you. you I know? have made it, exactly. <laughs> this is the, v- the VIP treatment for a podcast. Yo, yeah. No, no, the, yeah, no, this apartment is amazing, by the way. There's lots of uh, plants here, which is which I love. And uh, <laughs> which, yeah, it means there's lots of, you know, because when you go, because gay apartments, they can be two types of gay apartments. Mm-hmm. They're either very nice, you know like yours beautiful and there's and there's just a mattress and the you know and And just a loops meth pipe yeah (laughs) exactly but people with meth pipes give the best blowjob because they don't have teeth you know know, (laughs) always count your blessings can always work out one way yeah you're a drug addict but you're good at the blowjob you you have to be optimistic (laughs) (laughs) so how you've been how been like what was the summer like Tell us. Uh, I'm good. I've had a very busy summer. Uh, my day job, as some people might know, is I'm a flight attendant. So things are super busy in that line of work. And I was on the go a lot. I did quite a few shows, though, at the same time. So it was yep. very exciting. Yeah. Uh, I had a bout of food poisoning, which oh was God. not fantastic. Um, and, uh, but uh, we can talk about that if you want. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we did, did it happen in Berlin? It happened actually coming back from a work trip to Vancouver. And okay, let us know which restaurant did it to you. So <laughs> I know, I know. I wish I could. I'd, I'd sue them or something. But it was, uh, it was, it was on. You know, it, I haven't had food poisoning in a long time. Yeah. But like I say, it happened right. It did happen right before Pride. Oh, oh right. Wow. So you know, if, if you're a, a gay who embraces body fascism, like I was raised to, then <laughs> it came. It came at well, just the right you didn't time. Well, have so. to douche, you know. So you, you were you ready know, to go. Just, just <laughs> everything was just <laughs> yeah, just floating. Just it was a floating parade, exactly. you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord! Oh my lord! No, but. Um, yeah, but I'm back on track after that, and it's been busy. We've had a lot of gay events here in, in yeah, Berlin. Right. Pride, we had Folsom recently, all kinds of stuff. So it's I been don't know busy. how long you've been in Berlin, because you've been in Berlin for so, quite some time, haven't Indeed. you? Indeed. I've lived in Berlin for just over 14 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. 14 years. Yeah. How has the gay scene changed for you, like, over the last 14 years here? <sighs> That's a good question. Um... I would argue uh, one thing about Berlin, of course, that will never change is uh, we are always on the cutting edge of everything queer. <laughs> yes. And uh, you can never be queer enough. You, you can know? never. There are always new no ways to be queer. To queer you know? <laughs> so I kind of feel like I was like 300 years ago in queer history when yeah. I arrived 14 years ago. And now uh, I just it's. Sometimes hard to keep up with everything, but that's that's part of living in a dynamic society. So that's great. So I'd say, I think gay life has become um, more inclusive mm-hmm. since I've been here. We're uh, we're looking at the needs of different communities yeah. in the in under the rainbow. Yeah, that maybe weren't such a focus fourteen years Four ago. Before, yes, yeah. And in terms of dating and stuff, I guess I'll just cut to the chase and say the scene has gotten a lot druggier. In that time, yep. 
Um, I know when I first arrived in 20, let me make sure I'm doing my own math right. 2009 exactly yes yeah. so when I arrived in 2009 and you were on apps and that sort of thing it was very rare for guys to talk about doing tea and stuff oh, right wow. or, yeah it was okay. very rare yeah. and it kind of seemed like something that was coming in from London or other big cities mm -hmm. where it was a lot more popular and now it's just so common in Berlin that people bring up stuff like that when yeah. they're thinking of hooking up with you and that sort of thing. So just cool. to jump from like one topic to another about gay life here, but I think that is something that's definitely it is, No, but I, I completely agree with you. For me, this is also quite weird because when I lived here in uh, 2014, I lived in Munich and I, I, would, I, I was just coming out and for me it was, you know, because you've been gay for the last 5,000 years, you know, for me. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. I mean, I mean no. Ben was the first person to use the condom made out of a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> What? Con <laughs> condoms? What? No, I mean, there's no, no. Okay. He used yeah. lava stones as a prep, you know? <laughs> I, I mean, it. don't worry. I know because my husband told me he's also very ancient. He's much older than you. So, you know, he's like, that's what he told me, you know? Yeah. He brought me to the Irish caves and showed all the ancient <laughs> people he banged, you know? All the, all the, all the draw the sketches. All the, all, you know that chain when the monkey goes after the primate and it yes. becomes a human being? Well, my husband's been with all of them, you know? So <laughs> 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 he was like, I knew David personally. You know? Oh, that's... Yeah, a... David was the monkey. You know, and... Uh, <laughs> a... but, but about the drugs, I actually agree with you a lot about this because... When I was here, that just didn't happen. I was never offered. The most dangerous thing that was offered to me was coffee, you know, yeah, grinder, you know. Yeah. And uh, uh, but yeah, now uh, like I know that it just lots of drugs and everything is happening. And to be honest, that saddens me because I I don't do drugs. Yeah, it saddens me a lot too. Yeah, it's kind of it's a difficult opinion to have in berlin because yeah. i mean i love that the city is so permissive yeah and i love that people are free to explore whatever they want i guess i just have a slightly different perspective on the whole thing because i have a number of friends who are in recovery yeah and when i see the other end of that experience for mm -hmm. people who've had difficulties with what yeah. they've used yeah then for me uh, my enthusiasm level goes down for it a lot right so yeah um, I, I'm more brutal in that way. I'm like, you don't agree with me. Well, <laughs> screw you, you know. But yeah, like, yeah. I mean, for me, this is just like, I think it's, I've seen also the harsh end of it. You know, when I lived in Azerbaijan, I had lots of neighbors and people who, like, some of them died because of the, because it was a huge problem in Azerbaijan. Really? The, yeah. Because in the 80s, um, when Gorbachev came to power and yeah. we were part of USSR, he completely forbid alcohol. Okay. Yes. He forbade alcohol. And people who had, you know, they, they, they had addiction, they, for, to alcohol, they weren't able to find alcohol so easily, so they would go to the other things. And that we had tox we had a toxicomania, I think that's called, when you smell glue and stuff like this, and when right, you, yeah, 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 and uh, drug addictions and stuff, and that that's and that's why like we had lots, of, and especially because we were opening up, it was much easier, and there were no specific borders. It was much easier for people to bring drugs from other Central Asian countries, which. Yeah are you know gonna uh, which were growing them and cultivating them so and that's why we had lots of i we had like several neighbors who 
almost died one of them died of uh drug addiction it was a very scary time so that's why seeing that as a kid for me that's why i'm i'm very conscious about those mm-hmm. things i'm like this is something that is yeah. you can say you you're okay that you you're not but are you though like and yeah. i think you always need to be very self you know how you need to have a self-awareness when you do those things so for sure and yeah, yeah I, I guess it's great that there are support networks in berlin absolutely it's a, lot, yeah. it's a lot easier for people to talk about their experiences and what they're trying but yeah i'm not sure it's the best uh source of you shouldn't feel ashamed for, because yeah. addiction is an addiction but you also you need to be able to talk about it too in order to help yourself as well yeah. so that's that's what's important exactly yeah. but yeah. my morning question for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like enough of a depressing shit yeah. you know it's like you know drug addicts who cares yeah. you know it's like, i mean at least they're all in Berkheim, you know <laughs> <laughs> they're not spreading around berlin you know you know where Just to look for them you know exactly, they're yes, yeah yes. um and uh, and uh, <laughs> look at me dissing the neighborhoods in <laughs> Berlin, you know. Um, but my most important question for you is like, what, what uh, when you were coming to, for, for me, I'm from Azerbaijan. For me, Germany is the epitome of the country, you know, it was mm-hmm. what country should be like. Mm-hmm. And, but what was for like uh, Canadian, like you, what was the reason why you decided to move Germany over like many other places in Europe? What was the biggest drive um, to move here? So I, yeah, I don't know. I've always kind of been fascinated with Germany. Mm-hmm. I always feel like white people shouldn't go on about that too much, but um, <laughs> it's a little bit problematic, but um, not that way, not that way. Um, but I studied German at university. Oh, wow. So I had a bit of, I had studied German like at, Goethe, at the Goethe Institute and stuff for a few years. So I think that's one reason why it was a good, easier move for me to yeah. come here. Of course. Always found, I've always found German guys quite attractive too, I'll be honest. They are. You know? I can't put this. And here I'll sound again like I'm going down a dangerous path, but you know, I like to do like, I do like a tall, I do like a tall um, German oh. man. Yes, that's perfect. Um, and, uh, so there was probably part of that in mind and i was younger i was 29 when i moved here so i was at a phase in my life when i was going out a lot more i'd already been to berlin gone Mm -hmm. out clubbing quite a bit and i definitely made the most of that when i first arrived here for the first few years you know i was going out uh, more than i do now so yeah all those things drew me to the city I just yeah I don't know I and I guess now that I'm older there are different things about it that appeal to me but yeah um I am still happy to be here I am based in Frankfurt for my work and deal with people who live throughout Germany so it's always interesting to hear German stereotypes about Berlin Berlin yeah and a lot of Germans are like I could never live there. It's like eh. I know, right? I have friends in Munich who said like I could never move there. How you live there? Such a dirty place. Like <laughs> what the fuck? I was like, that's the reason why we moved there. You know? Yeah, <laughs> but you know, you know, dirty place. But you know what? That's why I love because I live here in in Mitte Tiergarten, kind of on the on the border, and mm-hmm. my neighborhood. Yeah. A lot of people would say is incredibly boring. Who in their right mind would ever live there? But I like it because it is very. It's a great place. Yeah, I love. <laughs> I the love this place. Yeah, yeah, and it's very. It is very tidy. And then if I want to get down and dirty, then I can go and do that. Yeah. And then I come <laughs> and home. And pretend that you've never been there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And the, the, there's no. There's only no the test results will remind you about that in two months. <laughs> <laughs> 
and 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 the video and the videos potentially. And but the you know, videos. You know, yes, you never know. But no. By the way, did you know I actually recently found a Kit Kat uh, sex video on a porn website? Yeah. Yeah. Like filmed at Kit Kat. Someone filmed it at Kit Kat. But was it filmed at like Hustle Ball or one of the porn parties? Because that's completely legit. I I. I I, I, to be okay, to, I didn't know that to be honest, but I, I, I don't know. It didn't look any different from how it always looks okay, like. Okay, okay. And uh, for me, the most biggest uh, like scare was if I'm ever on that video, <laughs> is that someone's actually getting fucked and I'm very bored on the background. I'm like, oh my god, I just want to go home. You know? Honestly, that's <laughs> the worst. That is the worst thing if you're ever in some kind of like erotic film location. I find. It is. You do have to kind of play along in the background, even too, right? Or <laughs> yeah, you have to like, mm. you know, I just be. I'm going to be there on my phone, or, <laughs> right, or something. I'll be. I just listening to a podcast. Listening to a podcast. I'll be reading, reading the New York Times in the background Having or something. A coffee, you know, you know, with a little cookie. You know, right? you, like I'm, I'm, don't mind me, kind of. Thing, yeah, don't you know? mind me. It was like, <laughs> yeah, well, actually, it's some milk in my coffee, though. No, <laughs> no I, I completely agree with you. But do you actually like Kit Kat? Like, from, like, what is your favorite like place to party? Like in Berlin, where do you feel like you go there and you just can let it go? My favorite, my favorite place is Laboratory. I always say that. I've never been there. Yeah, I love Laboratory. So Laboratory, but I like to go. I don't know if the nights are the same. So they, they had the cheap drinks on Friday, two for one Fridays. I think that's back after the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And then the first Friday of the month, I believe it's still the case. Is it's, I think it's called Naked Dance or something. Oh wow! So you can go. You don't have to be naked. But I love dancing. I love drinking when it's cheap. I was just going on about the dangers of substance abuse, and I'm like, I love getting, I love getting shit faced when it's two for one, right? Um, I'm a bit complicated, so I, I'm a bit of a hypocrite. I understand that 100. percent So it's human nature, exactly. Don't judge. No one's in a position to judge. So I do, but I like going to that party, especially on the first Friday of the month, because you can kind of do whatever you want. Yeah. And I'm kind of, I can be wild and crazy, but I'm often introverted and shy. And so I can go on the dance floor because that's where I do my thing. Yeah. And then if I want to go and have fun, I can. And then I can come back and dance some okay. more. You can really multitask. Oh, that's great. I actually never been there. Is it RDQs long uh, the way they're long to Berkheim and Kit Kat? They are long. Yeah. So I haven't, I honestly haven't been in over a year, I think. Uh, I, you sometimes do have to line up for over an hour. Okay. Um, but you get in eventually. It's not like. You get like... in eventually, exactly. Yeah. And I think it's definitely worth it. I've always had a good time at lab. Okay. Yeah. A second favorite place would be Schwitz. Schwitz. Another so, place, actually. I don't know. I've been to Schwitz. I've been to Schwitz once. Yes, I was to Schwitz. Yeah. Well, my second time will be in November doing the <laughs> What What's going on in November? Did the show for the West and uh, the comedy. You're organizing comedy. Remember? Oh, but that's not at Schwitz. That's at. <laughs> oh, that's not. Sorry. 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 I was like, what? Wow. We're doing it. Are we doing it at Schwitz now? No. So it's, I think it was at Schwitz. And you, now you're like, oh, I don't want to do it anymore. It's some, <laughs> like, some other shitty location. <laughs> no. that and it's, but it's in the laboratory. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that would also be fun. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, I don't recommend doing comedy shows in front of guys who are trying to have sex. They really. <laughs> They don't. I've I have had gigs like that before at fetish events, and the guys are just like, "I am not here for this." So someone would try to have sex with, and you just crack a joke. You're like, well, you know, you're on stage, and like they're just like giving each other blowjobs in front of you or something. It's just like, I feel disrespected. <laughs> I feel like my art is not being respected. 
and I recognize that my priorities aren't the same as theirs in that environment. So, <laughs> but no, uh, but, but, but uh, it's an open panel, you know. <laughs> so you don't so <laughs> someone is hassling on their knees. You're hassling with the humor. You know? <laughs> it's like L- live it's, and live and let live. Exactly. At least you can comment. Yeah. It's like a imp- good improvisation. It's like you try to comment what you see. So, I think there are ways to look. It's true. You know, if I get another offer of a booking like that i might uh, might uh, Man, give you an opportunity i've been to go waiting for that booking all my life when it's gonna <laughs> happen it's like now i need to go to laboratory definitely i need to go get you some sound, you, sound you like know uh but to be honest i actually uh like i'll, I'll tell you one thing i actually really i the first time i saw you perform was at the show when i asked you okay uh, too, because that, that was the first yes. time yeah. and i'm and uh, the reason why I, because i heard so many great things about you oh, before very sweet. yes Thanks. yes no Thanks. and i was like I was like, let's see. I mean, there has to be another funny gay guy in the city see besides this me. You know? got. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. And plus, I always wanted to hear about the times of, you know, how people had sex during King Arthur's time, you know. So, <laughs> uh, but, but I actually saw your set and it was so funny. Thank you. And what I liked about your set was that because just like me, you were raising and making jokes about very important issues within our gay community you know and i really appreciated that especially when you were talking about being older gay you know and uh how it like because because these are lots of things that within our society that we actually i think we need to work on Mm -hmm. you know and especially ageism i think is one of the biggest problems i would say it's getting better but i think it's still a lot of there's lots of stigma within there is there is i mean and i i've only really fallen victim to that myself in the last couple years when i see like on profiles where guys are like no one over 32 or it'll be some weird age like that right like why why would you put that i know (laughs) but i think one of the nice things about getting older people might look at you a different way but you look at yourself differently too you have i i hope as time goes along a bit more self-respect and those things really don't matter as much to you. So I don't feel in Berlin on a regular basis like I am discriminated against based on my age or anything. It's not that rough. But because you can also just find your community of older gay men too, right? Yeah, no, but absolutely. I, I agree with you there. We have, I think, but that's another thing that is interesting in a way that we, within the gay community, we have our own communities. Like there's a bear community. Mm-hmm. There's like... I don't know, like daddy's community, you yeah, know, <laughs> and yeah, there's anything. Yeah. But for me, when I was, for me, that's good way in a way you have people of the same interests, you know. But at the same time, we're a bit forced to go into those groups because we're like, because mm-hmm. mixing doesn't necessarily always happen, for you sure, know. And that's sure. that's yeah. one of the things that I think we should be able to mix a little bit, you know. Like it shouldn't be always, I mean, after all, of course, you like what, you like you can't force yourself on uh, other people but i think it's also nice when we get together you know like on the gay parades and we just you yeah know, like for and sure talk and have fun because yeah and i'm a big believer and you take you pick and choose what you want you know it's like mm-hmm. i i love dancing yeah so i can go to a circuit party and have a good time absolutely because i love the music um find the guys very attractive and stuff too but the drug side of it is not for me so i go i can only last for two or three hours whereas the other guys are going for like five days 
through the the magic of everything but uh you know <laughs> you just kind of take and you know live and let live take the parts from those different scenes that you like and then Absolutely. do your best just to be happy and leave people alone I that think is an so. amazing approach i salute you so much on this because this is what i've been trying to do <laughs> you know i and i believe that lots of but some people they're really against it and i think this is not very nice and i think you should be able to experience other it's like a culture, you know, you go and you experience it, you know, you you get actually, you get much more, how to say, it makes you a better person, I believe, when you experience new things, you know, and you actually don't judge people on those things. Yeah, and I don't really know how we tackle that whole thing, honestly. I guess the older, I mean, I'm only I'm 43, it's not like, I'm not, I'm not that old, I'll have you know. You're 43? But I thought you were like... You, I, I, 65 yes, no. exactly. but still alive. shut up <laughs> I, was like, no, I thought you were I thought you were younger than 38 <laughs> but okay <laughs> no, um, this, again as I say in my material that's a benefit of living in Berlin is a lot of people here don't they look like they've been through a lot <laughs> right so I'm 43, but people often think I'm younger, and I'll take you that. Are you are much know? younger. I would so never I'll just go, go with it. But I think I don't. I, in terms of this, trying to be in one community and not exploring other parts of queer life. I don't know if yeah. the older gay in me wants to say that's kind of a symptom of younger people too, because I feel yeah. like people have their identity camp that they get in, and they don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, break out of that at all and they're so attached to some identity that they've chosen I do kind of miss I don't know I I I really miss kind of queer life from when I was a bit younger when we admittedly didn't factor in certain groups as much as we should I'm not trying to make it sound like it was paradise Mm -hmm. but comedians often poked fun at different aspects of gay life like Margaret Cho for example you know, Margaret Cho in her material, she would make fun of lesbians or she'd make fun of gay guys for the stupid things that we do. And at the end of the day, you could still all be in the queer community together. It wasn't a big deal. But right? you do do that in certain way in your comedy, I believe. You do do that a lot. You do play on the street. And I do that a lot. Like, I think, but that's why I, th- but you do that. Because from what I've heard that said, I think. You did you did you did that quite nicely actually. I'm glad I did relatively well at that show because if it had not gone well, then this podcast would be very different because you're judging me entirely on that one. But which I appreciate, so that's that's nice. But um, it is. I try to. I try to. And as I think of what I want to do with my comedy over the next few months or the next year, I really do want to try to find a way to talk about more of those queer issues in a hopefully funny, but somewhat confrontational way for people i i think i think i think you can do that absolutely and i think it will be very interesting to hear your point of view because i mean you (laughs) you did live through like because in the 90s and early 2000s you know you were like 20 years old exactly yes you were 20 years old and you saw how I've never seen it because you know, all I saw in Iowa knew about gay people in Azerbaijan. It, that time was like, if you're gay, you're gonna die, you know. So that's all. That's that's all I knew, you know. Yeah. And I didn't even know about AIDS, you know. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what was gay gay culture, you know. Um, what was what was to be what what it meant to be gay, you know, in other countries where it was, uh, you know, like like in America or Canada or Europe. Yeah. And I for mean, me, that's why I think you can bring so much interesting. Uh, information for people who are like the newer kids you know who actually 
and raise the issue because I think that would be interesting for them, something to learn as well. So. Yeah, it's an interesting perspective, and I'll, I'll see what I can do with that for sure. It's, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it would be interesting to compare our experiences growing up. Just to say, even in Canada, though, I was also raised with that um, fear uh, put in me by my parents and my family that I also would die, right? I think when I when I came out to my family, a lot of their biggest concern, you know, it's that classic line, well, don't get AIDS, you know? Yeah. yeah. And people just have that obsession. And for a while, obviously, the, the experience of gay men in particular was very grim, because of everything that happened but yep. now yep, that we have absolutely. prep and different things like life has changed so dramatically it, it has changed dramatically and i think it's the, one of the things i'm working on right now is actually about representation of gay people in uh, american well you know the the, the popular culture because for me <laughs> every time there's any gay movie someone one of the gays will die of AIDS. And I'm yeah. like, if there's a horror movie, everyone will be killed by a killer. The gay guy will die of AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why? Why? Not all gay and the ones who don't die of AIDS, they end up being uh, musicians and write about gays, you know, like who die of AIDS. You know, that's why for me, it's like, it's like, why do you do that? Not everyone dies of AIDS. You know, not all gays died of AIDS. You know, there are lots of people who actually still have AIDS and they're still alive from the 80s, you know, and they're, and they're prospering. Why make this horrible and it's stereotype about gay people, especially when we're actually fine now because it's actually lots of straight people who have it now and they don't know how to fucking deal with it, you know? Exactly. I mean, there was some statistic that just came out today in the news or whatever that the number of infections among um, heterosexuals is overtaking... Um, yeah, in Germany. Gay, gay, yeah, in Germany, heterosexuals have it more than gays. Yeah, because we are no, we know how to be protective. Precisely. Yeah. And yeah. that's how, and I had some friends asking me, "Oh, why like gay people always know so much about man health?" I was like, "Because we have to. Like, we have to know. <laughs> like, because we didn't have a choice. You know, like we have to know. And first of all, you have to know whether you're gay, straight, or whatever. You need to know." stuff about your body i think it's important information and there is a lack of information about men's body you know like when i was at school all thing i knew about aids i had we had a teacher who came she said only guys with the excellent grades can listen about aids the rest no what yeah right because like i mean who cares they're stupid they wouldn't understand anything and that talk about aids it was pretty much Hello, kids, there's such a thing as AIDS. Don't get it. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> you know, that was pretty much it. And I had to go home. I had to Google. And even my, I mean, I mean, I mean my mom, she was actually like, why are you, like, why, why are you learning about this? I right, was like, yeah. because it's important, you yeah, know? And yeah, uh, yeah it's people's understanding of why you would need that information if you're not doing anything promiscuous. Like, why yeah, would you need crazy. it? It's really weird, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I guess... I can't even remember how it was dealt with in my sex ed at school. I mean, we we did the whole, like, put a condom on a banana and all that kind of (laughs) stuff, right? So on these, like, very strange wooden penises and things, um, we went through all of that. But, yeah, I guess what left the biggest mark on me was just growing up in the 80s, being a kid in the 80s and the 90s when, when, you know, when I would go to a magazine store in Canada and, like, 
sneakily buy a gay magazine <laughs> like the advocate or out or something like that and and sneak it back into my bedroom at home the stories were still at that point very yeah. much about hiv aids yeah and all the advertising in those magazines was all like antiretroviral medications and stuff right so you really just had this feeling that this is life as a gay guy is <laughs> yeah, hiv aids so. but you're lucky i didn't have any access to any gay porn until i was like 13 years old you know i i like i didn't have any access that's why every time i would watch porn i would watch it with one eye open so i just see the dude you know so, <laughs> <laughs> you know so like, no i was i like pretend that she's not there you know so I, that's, <laughs> I was i was very fortunate um and have a longer story i tell about this on stage but uh <clears throat> And I don't want to get anyone in my family in any trouble, but uh, <laughs> we had internet access before a lot of other families because of a line of work of one of my siblings. And I was a nerd as a kid, still am a nerd in many ways, I guess. And I, at the age of 12 or 13, figured out already how to access vast quantities of hardcore gay porn online so it was it was hardcore gay porn online in the 90s yes really you guys oh. i'm sorry okay. i'm from a US, <laughs> post ussr country we like the, uh, i mean we didn't uh, import gay stuff until it was didn't exist you know no, no no of course it did he would just die no one would know about you you know it's uh but like you know it did they would really kill you like they would really yeah. they i would either arrest you for the rest of your life yeah. or you they would shoot you down you know um but it, so yeah i just not to cut i don't want to take away from that um from your experience and what people were going through uh just to talk about how it worked though in terms of downloading back in the 90s because a lot of young, young people yeah. don't know this younger people is they used to have these Usenet news groups. Have you ever heard of these? Yeah. Okay. So it was like alt dot binaries dot erotica dot whatever. Yeah. And then what you'd have to do is you'd go in there, there it would be like a <clears throat> an email browser. And you'd have to download like five text messages assemble them together, put them into a decoding program and a, a JPEG would jump out at the other end. Oh my god! That's what you had to do for one picture, but I'm telling you, it was so worth it. it was so <laughs> I worth can't it. imagine you probably so waited for the holidays to start in order to start doing oh this. Oh my lord! Yeah. Fond, fond memories, anyhow. Fond so. memories. He's like he's actually like he missed like good old times, you know. <laughs> like, but actually, like, uh, did you have a favorite gay porn actor from that era? Like, do you have someone who you were like? That's the type of man I hope I meet someday. Yeah, I don't know. Like the the guys I'm attracted to is not necessarily the guys I kind of like fantasize about or grew up fantasizing mm -hmm. about. It's not necessarily the guys I've dated or fallen yeah. in love with or whatever, or even have uh, sex with when that happens. But I remember um, it'd be interesting if my mother watches this. I, I who knows? But um, my parents went away on vacation for a week once when I was in high school and I was old enough that I could stay at home on my own. Okay. It's like my last year of high school, maybe second last year. And I, at that time I had access to a lot of stuff online, mm -hmm. but I was like, I want to order a VHS porn tape, gay porn, real gay porn. And I, there was a mail order company in Montreal and I timed it perfectly that I ordered I placed the order just before they left, <laughs> mailed it there, 
so that the order would get delivered just when they were gone. And that uh, VHS porno was called Jockaholics. <laughs> and I think I, it still exists. Yeah. I think it does. I have the I have the cassette somewhere. I have it somewhere still. I'm not going to show but digging through everything right now. Um, but just that long story to say, that's probably the kind of guy. I mean, I like kind of like a, you know, like a muscular jockey guy. I'm attracted to that. But I actually, I, I think I'm, I'm a bit similar in that regard. I like, uh, I like Henry Cavill types, you know? Okay. And sure. that's why I married someone like my husband who's smaller than me, who is very cutesy, you know, teddy bear like, you know? <laughs> and because everyone was shocked when I married him. They were like, we, we thought you would end up with some kind of a rock star who, you know, who'd lo- because I was, because the guys I dated, okay, like, kinds of types I've been with they were very really yeah and that's when I met Desi they were like what the fuck English language teacher <laughs> because what that's I think cute. is I never kind of cared about what they do you know for a job you know but as long as, as, long as they had money you know and uh, that's why I was like you're a drug lord it's good that you can create, make a hobby your main business, you know. Yes. So it's like uh, I support that, but yeah, but I, it was very weird. So and I think it's very interesting in life when you say who you fantasize actually and who you really end up with, you know. So yeah, well, all this to say, I just want to make my sound myself out to be like an incredibly superficial um, bastard, <laughs> which I probably am in many ways. But it's just to say, like. That's one of the cool things about meeting people and, and falling in love with people, right? Because you, because sometimes you're like, wait a second, you know, I do actually care what people are like inside, you know? Yeah. I do. It's, it's a pleasant surprise. It's a nice, yeah, it's not, I'm not a cold bitch. I'm, I'm <laughs> like, I actually care about that because that's what I, because I think, and I think uh, lots of uh, people, funny gay people like you and me, you know, like, Nails we actually energy. give away the energy that we're a bit mm. bitchy, you know, sometimes because that's what people told me. I mean, you uh, like, and but but then we actually we're like we're not. We're actually very nice people, you know. Like yeah. that's what people told me. I mean, you're 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 very sometimes you have this very brick bitch face, you know, on your <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and 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 so hard like. It's, we don't like you, you feel dangerous you know like, and I'm but I don't you know I'm actually a very nice lovely person you a teddy bear inside I'm, I actually used to be very thin like this has happened in the last couple of years it's getting fixed but yeah I was actually very it's thin. getting it's getting fixed <laughs> no 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 I, I mean like that's how I say you know like it's um, I, I, I feel comfortable in anybody I was very thin I'm, I got very chubby, but the thing is, no matter what bodies, you know, you are who you are and your weight doesn't define you. So, you not know, at all, not yeah. at all, not at all. And I think it's also, it's also a huge problem in the, in the gay scene, right? I mean, we're just like, there's a cookie cutter look and I mentioned circuit parties. You go to a circuit, I've been on a couple of gay cruises. You look yeah. out into the room. Everyone looks basically exactly the same. Can't shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, honestly, honestly, yeah. yeah. And then it's just that you kind of, that can be soul-killing as well. So you shouldn't feel obligated to. I, when, because I was chubby before, I lost weight. And in when I was in Munich and I was on Grindr, someone, I checked someone's profile and he decided to message me, you fat pig, just for, for the sake of it. I told him, well, not everyone has AIDS to be thin, you know, and I blocked him, you know. 
snap. <laughs> I was like, I think, I think it was like, I actually should have said we actually had sex on, you know, I was thinner, and I would go and check myself if I was you, <laughs> you know. And but but the thing is, it's there is lots of fat phobia in the community, mm-hmm. unfortunately, mm-hmm. which is real. But I think it's what I think happened, you know, because we gay people, we're always very fight for the justice of women's rights. You know, we're mm-hmm. always, you cannot tell the woman that she's, you know, the weight or anything. Mm-hmm. But we kind of forgot that we took lots of that um, toxic masculinity behavior yeah, into our own community, you oh know? God, and yeah, yeah, those beauty yeah. standards that we say should not apply to women, yeah. but we apply them to other gay men, yeah, you know? Of course, and of course. it's really, it's really fascinating to me how that actually ended up happening, you know? Mm-hmm. How... We fight for their rights to be who they want to be th- with the ladies, but we we apply the same beauty standards to our own. What do you think? What 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 was the Mm-mm. breaking moment when this actually happened? I don't know if, yeah, I mean, I think the whole dynamic of gay life, two like men coming together, is all of those challenges of being men and and doubling it. Right? Mm-hmm. I think that is that is very yeah. true, but. In line with what you said, it, it makes me think a lot about the current approach to makeup with with uh, with men wearing makeup as well. Because I always think, if you want to wear makeup, that's fantastic. I'm too lazy for it on a daily basis. I also don't, I don't have the money for it. I don't want to spend it. And I'm also like, why did we fight to have women liberate themselves from makeup and then for gay men to feel like they have to start wearing makeup and putting pressure on each other to do that? I'm just like, do whatever you want. But it is, we do sometimes take on things that we've helped other people free themselves from. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right? Which I don't, I don't, like when we don't have enough self-reflection to just be able to say, yeah, we don't need to do that either, really. That's not what makes us, you know, can make you happy, but you shouldn't be defined by whether you do that or not. It's like Russia. Fought Nazism and became Nazi itself at the end, you know? Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. see, so that's why, you know, never say, never judge anyone because you don't know what future has installed for you, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, it's all going to come full it's circle. Gonna, it's going to come full circle. And it does come a full circle, you know? It's, it's, I think what is fascinating me about through development of, uh, even as a comedian, I think, is that the things that we talk about are usually issues that have a reflection in the other communities, you know, like, for example, when, and I think that's the reason why gay and women will work much better together because mm. we've faced the same kind of, uh, don't want to use word oppression, but, you know, like a discrim- like being treated because of who we are, you know, in a wrong way. So that's what mm-hmm. I want to say. But, Ben, like, actually, when did you start becoming a comedian? Like, what was the push for you to become a comedian? You, like, so, um, I guess... I used to have an, a very rather conservative office job before, and I had the opportunity to live in a lot of different places with that job. And mm-hmm. so what I would do is I would send emails to like a big, this is back when we were emailing each other before social media and stuff. <laughs> back uh, when I was writing in the Irish caves with your husband and stuff on the, in, in the stone. <laughs> And um, I would just send reports about where I was living at the time and some of the silly things that I had seen. And friends were like, you should do something with this. Like, you should, like, think of doing comedy or you should put these in a book or you should do something with it. So there was that side of it. And then I, with my job that I had, I did quite a bit of public speaking. 
and I knew that I didn't have a, an incredible fear of that. And uh, the feedback was generally positive. But then I was like, I want to do public speaking though, where I actually say stuff I believe in and where it's ideas that are coming from me. And that was the steps. So that was back in 2013. Uh, the guy I was dating at the time gave me as a Christmas gift a comedy workshop in London. Oh, wow. That's yeah, amazing. yeah. It was very, very thoughtful gift. Um, and that was like a weekend course where you were, I was in a group of like six or seven people who had never done comedy and we wrote for a day and a half and then we all did a five minute set at the end and that went well. And then I was like, okay, I want to do this more seriously. And then things happened, relationships changed and stuff. And, uh, I took a bit of a break, but then I started performing more seriously here in Berlin. Yeah. So yeah. That's okay. And I'm very glad you are. I'm very glad you thank are. You, thank you, thank you. Uh, but do you actually use comedy because I mean, you're a flight attendant, mm -hmm. uh, and, have you ever like I'm sure you have lots of interesting stories because yeah. <laughs> you know that I'm sure there are lots of stuff happening there have you ever actually used your comedy to kind of deal with the situation at your work for sure for sure can you give um, us an example I get yeah. um, I think you're you're constantly I mean I, I do love my job I've never been happier in my day job but you deal with a lot of um Maybe stupid is too harsh, but uh, people who are stressed from traveling and they're not <laughs> thinking as a normal person should, an average person with average intellect and whatnot. So you're... Cunts, you want to say yes. Okay. <laughs> exactly. I would not... Uh, if my employer watches this, I did not use that word myself. Um, but I find, you know, you're, you're, people are asking about flights or they're asking about where they can put their luggage and they're getting super stressed about everything. And I find that it's like crowd work on an ongoing basis. And that's what I have to tell myself, like when I'm hosting shows, I try to remind myself just to do what I do in my daily flight attendant work, which is making small talk with people and um, trying to find some connection based on my own personal history with what they're doing yeah. or whatever. So, yeah. In terms of uh, specific situations on board, uh, yeah. I don't know if it's actually where I use comedy skills there are lots of funny stories. My airline is quite conservative, so it's I, I try to be on my best behavior on board for the most part, uh, apart from keeping the atmosphere light with people and whatnot. But it's not, you know, you see these videos of the flight attendants who are, like, doing the safety demonstration, and they're going, and they're <laughs> doing... Cart, they're doing, like, the cartwheels down the aisle, and then it's this flaming queen, you know, living his best flight attendant life. <laughs> And I'll get I'll get the same like Instagram reel from like fifteen friends who're like Ben, this is amazing. Have you seen this? I was like, if I did that at my company, I would probably get shot. So yeah. like, you know, like a ger a German airline is not going to like there has to be a certain level of seriousness, right? At the I mean, I'm sure they haven't in your contract how many times a day you can smile. You know? <laughs> so, like... And I I have come dangerously close to breaking that rule. <laughs> Because you're Canadian, and all Canadians are always very smiley. You're all very smiley. I know. People. Well, actually, it's funny. I was I was in San Francisco yeah. for work this past weekend, and uh, I wasn't feeling a hundred percent on the the trip back. And it's a long flight. It's a ten hour flight, and uh, so I kind of felt like I, you know, I was doing my best to be friendly with everybody, but I didn't feel like I was providing the best customer service. Mm -hmm. And even at the end of that flight, my supervisor came along. He's like. 
Ben, I just have to say, you are so friendly with absolutely everybody. <laughs> we have, I've been telling everyone you're the nicest person ever to work on. But I'm like, and that's just because if you work at a German airline, like you are always going to be the superstar. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Doesn't matter. Like I can just be in a really bad mood and people are like, wow. Yeah, like you're dealing 100%. No, I remember I was in Lufthansa. Uh, I was flying from Baku to Frankfurt right, yeah. on Lufthansa. And uh, I remember I had a, a flight attendant. He was very old for, <laughs> I mean, yeah, your age. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Again? I'm kidding. Yeah. Again. He's like this fucking bitch coming to my house and calling me old. He was like, I was like, I knew Jesus. You know, it's like, don't fuck with me. You know, it's like, if you just knew what my husband, like, he's about to kill me. You know, every time... You know, I make these jokes about him. He is like, I don't make any jokes about you. Oh, I was like, oh. but I was like, but 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 you should. I wait for you to make some fat jokes about me. I was like, and you don't. I make those jokes only to people I care about. If I don't care about you, I'm never gonna make jokes with you. You're so. trying to get me in trouble. You're trying. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast. Everyone comes to this podcast and they're like, but I have nothing to roast about. I have nothing bitchy to say. And my purpose is to show you're not as good as you think you are. <laughs> but you are very nice. I'll just like cry. It's, it's very hard to argue with that. Thank you. Um, I had a flight attendant. He was very, like, he was, he was, I think he was like 50 something, mm -hmm. 49. Old. But he was, he was, or maybe it was Germans, so you never know. Maybe he was 20. He just, very rough life, you know. But uh, he was very, very nice to me. Mm -hmm. He wasn't. He was, and it was really weird because you don't expect that from. I mean, because I flew with Lufthansa many times, and people usually they are very, they're like subordinate. They don't smile, but this one was very. Hi, can I help you? You know, yeah. it was very. It was very nice, and I had a very good experience. You know. You know what? I find ninety percent, ninety ninety five percent of my colleagues are all wonderful people. I really just I feel like the the German airlines take all of the nice Germans. And they just put them in one company. And uh, that's my experience. I generally, of course, you're going to have like grizzled. I mean, in the, you'll have like the grizzled old queens as well who are like, you know, they're still flying at 65 or whatever. And and I'm just like, you know, it's it doesn't seem to be, it doesn't seem to me they're living their best life at that stage. But most people are generally very nice. I'm pleasantly surprised. What like was the hardest thing for you to adapt to when you started working in your company as a flight attendant? I would probably say the biggest transition for me was going from an office environment where um, everyone was very proper to working for an airline where in the crew there's kind of an expectation that's not my phone. No, that's it's not, mine. Okay. <laughs> Ignore it. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Um, I think the hardest part was going from a very con conventional conservative office environment to working as crew where there's an element of sex and in, in sexiness and everything. Okay. Right? So we had, like, I worked in an office where, you know, we were very strictly educated about sexual harassment and inappropriate relations at work and all kinds of things like this and uh after me too a couple years ago our airline had a big training blitz trying to sensitize everybody in the airline to sexual harassment and everything and i would be at a training session and some of the people would actually be upset that the airline was trying to take away 
what they perceive to be part of our corporate culture. <laughs> so that was very different because there's a lot of like, you know, you're working in very tight spaces on board. So yep. there's a lot of like, you know, you're walking past each other in the galley. There's a lot of like brushing up against each other. Some of that's perfectly innocent, but there's also, it goes too far sometimes. I've been touched on my bum more than, than I, in, in like seven years of flying than oh, I was in the previous. No. Really? 36 years of my life. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's an issue, but the, the airline's conscious of that and they're doing everything they can to resolve that issue. But it's just part of, it's kind of taken for granted. It's part of the package that there's going to be a certain amount of like sexiness built in. You're right? telling me about it. I remember I was in <laughs> Turkish <laughs> On Turkish Airlines, and there was this, the most sexiest flight attendant I've ever seen in my life. And every time he came near me, I was like, <sighs> and every time he would ask me to put on my belt, I was like, mm. oh, <laughs> I was like, can you do so it for cute. me? You're so good. I actually, I, but the thing is, I like one of the things, one of the negative things of being uh, not knowing whether someone is gay or not in Middle Eastern countries is that mm. if you ask, you're going to probably get out of, they will throw you out of the plane, you know, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> or, or they will, I don't know, they will put, you know, they will do something to your food and spit it in, you know, but it's, uh, but um, I want to think good about people, but sometimes people just don't let me do this, you know, uh, it was really cute. And I remember I was looking and I was like, imagine if what I would, my life would be if I dated a flight that ended. It would be amazing, you know? Like, I would, and I, in my imaginations, my fantasies, I was traveling everywhere for free, you know? And, uh, but I know it's not true. I, I like have, because people often bring their partners on trips. Oh. Because you can bring your partner for like very little money, right? So if you know, if you're going to like Buenos Aires for work for five days, why not take your partner, right? And I mean, okay. so like I often think about that. I'm like, oh, like, you know, I want to be in a relationship with a guy and then be able to take him along. Aww. And I also think it would be good. But it's also just good because I think, you know, I, I admit uh, and my exes can comment under this uh, video about how high maintenance I am. Um, but I know that I can be a bit of a handful. And I think dating a flight attendant can actually be quite good because your partner's gone every once in a while. So you can have like your tense partner moments where you're getting on each other's nerves and then they, they just disappear for four days. So you're the extrovert in the relationship. Is that what that's called? I think that's what people call when the one is always more proactive and more demanding attention. Okay. You know? I, 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 I don't know how people, other people, I call it extrovert in the relationship. Okay. I think you should, I think you should write a book about that or something. I've never really? heard that terminology before. Mm. So <laughs> this is a new, um, this is a new psychology Funny discovery. and smart. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and you have a good taste, you know? <laughs> no, but I think, if, so you're, you're the one in the relationship who's always like very proactive and. Yeah. Well, your partner's Irish, right? Yeah. So maybe, I don't know how folks are in Azerbaijan in terms of communication, but um, I think Canadians, we have very high communication expectations. So that's my challenge when I date Germans, because I'm very like, let's sit down and talk about everything, or there's something that's irritating me. Can we take a moment and talk about it? And for, I think for a lot of men and to begin with, any man, and also for like, I think a lot of German guys, it's just not necessarily have they've so been socialized i agree with so you. i am the person who's like um demanding a lot of communication <laughs> communication right? okay so i don't know well in yeah. my in in irish people are very chatty 
mm-hmm. too chatty. Mm-hmm. Uh, Azerbaijan, are, we're also very chatty, but Irish are more chatty than us. Like yeah. we, like I don't know how it is in Canada. We, when we talk to someone, we love to discuss many things, mm-hmm. but we don't give away very, like uh, let's say, personal things exactly. straight away. Like very I mean, and we, I mean, we could say something about love life, mm-hmm. but we're never gonna talk about. Our financial life, we're never going to talk about our parents that much, you yeah, know, like yeah. just we might do it after like we've known you like for at least a couple of months. But mm-hmm. like but with Irish, there's just everything. It, oh, man, like you go buy stuff in the supermarket and she is like, oh, my God, you, you got I remember we got for Christmas and this one was like, oh, you got this amazing bubbly. My daughter-in-law got it last week. It's so amazing. And I was like, bitch, can you just let me pay and go? I, I don't want to talk to you. I know. And that's the thing. Like, I think especially where I'm from in Canada, I think we're we, a lot of us do have Irish roots and we have those same tendencies. Right. It's like it's it's uh, and I've had the same sort of experience shopping and people just want to talk to you. And I'm like, or where did you find this in the store? I love it. And, all, and I'm just like. No, I just I met it's times like that that I miss Germany, obviously, right? Because it's just very, let's get this over with. Neither one of us wants to be at the cash register. So, in Azerbaijan, they don't even make a eye contact with you. Like, <laughs> 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 just take it away because they're afraid that you might recognize them from school and they're working as a cashier. You know, it's. <laughs> And in Azerbaijan, I'm not judging everybody. You earn money the way you earn money. It's just in Azerbaijan, people can be very judgy about your job. So that's why it could happen. I sometime. thought they were looking at you because they knew you were gay. Maybe they were afraid of getting HIV. <clears throat> well, I was actually heavily harassed at school when I was when I was a teenager for for my gay behavior. And the things I didn't know how to behave differently. That was the problem. I yeah. didn't get the memo. Like what? Like what you're supposed to do? Because I think I was really loved by my mom. You know, I'm. I mean, and she never saw me. She never wanted to change me. You know, everything that I was, the only thing was the, with playing with the dolls. She was like, yeah, that's a bit too much, you know, but the, <laughs> everything, and <laughs> even like, yeah, I know the damn, I actually said that several times on my podcast. I'll just say to you, I had a Barbie. They threw my Barbie away as a kid. Uh, and when I watched the Barbie movie recently, I was like, I got very upset because oh. that Barbie was very special to oh. me. And my mom bought me a brand new 1996 Barbie mm-hmm. And to apologize, you oh. know, yeah. How sweet is that? Yeah, I know. But she also said, "Can you stop talking about me in your stand-up comedy?" <laughs> <laughs> so it was more of a, like a bribe and sorry. D- d- delete the podcast, yeah. please. Yes, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I Azerbaijani people can be judgy about many things. Yes, I was judged a lot about be, about being gay until mm. actually one day I stood up and fought for myself in a very gay way. Did you did you read a bitch to filth or what no, did you do? No, I started sexually harassing the homophobe who was attacking. Really? Yeah, I grabbed him by his pants. I tried to answer. Them. I was like, "Yes, I am gay. Let's have sex right here, right now." Oh. And my parents were called to school, oh. and <laughs> but he never ever touched me again because people were talking about him being gay. They started. I was like, I was like, just so you know, he's saying this because he's ashamed of himself. You know, and I was, I was like, and I was like, actually, he is gay. He calls me. He says that he loves me. You know, and I was like, and that's how you fight a human. And uh, the way I did it was through sharing a gossip that he is gay too, and that's why he's doing that. And <laughs> many years later, when I read a book called Homo Sapiens, have you read that book? No, it's no. a great book. It actually says the reason why Homo Sapiens are the only surviving humankind because of gossip. We purely survived because we're gossip. 
Okay. We will have to gossip. Okay. So yeah. imagine yeah. there, like there were several types of human beings. Like there was like Homo erectus and right. whatever human yeah. beings. Yeah. So what Homo sapiens would do? They would go to the other kind and would be like, "Let's not take this dude with us. He just slows us down. You know, he doesn't contribute anything. So why take him?" And eventually, what human Homo sapiens did, they kind of, um, they just yeah, they just got rid of the uh, uh, other types of humans with okay. the gossip yeah so being gossipy is part of human nature and how we survive well i'm gonna keep that in mind next time i'm spilling the tea you know <laughs> yeah you're, the like, you're not so. spilling the tea you're saving lives <laughs> 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 oh boy but one of the yeah but so for people who fight homophobia gossip make them gay <laughs> you know tell them that's an amazing strategy though yeah, that's so good to flip flip that shit around and because yeah, it was it was really bad. He, I was afraid to come to school because he would beat me up and uh, I would be all bruised up. And uh, my parents were very busy getting divorced, so I didn't have time to. I didn't want to complain and make their life harder. Yeah. So I knew I had to deal with this shit by my on my own. So it was either I had to fight him, you know, very badly, or. I could destroy his reputation, and yeah. that's what I did. And uh, he actually got transferred to another school a year later because he would constantly get harassed by other kids at school for because they thought he, they were gay. And But the rumors about me, they considered me gay as well, but they wouldn't touch me because they knew I was fucking crazy, you know? I was like, I was like a little gay jihadist you know, going into this. And my mom was furious with me. My dad was furious with me. They were like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I was like, are you gay? I was like, no, I'm not. I was just doing it to defend myself, you know? So, yeah. When did you actually uh, apologize if you've spoken No, 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 absolutely. When, when did you come out to your parents? So I met my husband when I was 23 years old. Okay. I turned 24. And when I was 24, I came out to my mother because I kind of knew my husband and I were going steady. And um, and I was like, well, mom, I'm going to tell you that I'm gay because I want to keep you in my life. I don't want my life to be a secret. Right, exactly. Yeah. And she had a very hard time like because she was born in USSR. It was wrong to be gay you know and they thought if you're gay it means you want to be a woman and you're a pedophile yeah, yeah and for my mom the whole pedophile part was the worst yeah, because in azerbaijan yeah. it's a very it's been a very bad issue with uh, with that and she especially the whole aids thing but eventually she actually came around of accepting me and last year she went to a dracon with me and she was she saw me like twerking my ass on stage she bought Aww. a fan and she was like and yeah she became one of the biggest gay i would say activists in azerbaijan because anyone who speaks shit about gays right now in azerbaijan they get very told off by my mother and so which means if he wants people to accept you sometimes it you need to understand where their homophobia comes from Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. give them space to get educated and educate them yourself as well so i think I agree. I mean, it's always uh, when I think back to my own parents, Mm -hmm. like things weren't easy at the start and there's still comments made occasionally, which I'm kind of like, what? But for the most part, you know, when I've taken like a partner home or something, um, there was a lot of growth that they did themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think you have to kind of, I'm also 
I don't know how old your mom is, but like my mom's in her 80s. I recognize that my parents come from a very different time. And to just expect them to instantaneously adopt all of the same values and perspectives that I have. I mean, we got to just be a little bit realistic about these things too. So Exactly. And that's one a bit pro I have problems with sometimes is when people who are younger than me and they're like oh my parents don't accept me so fuck them for no and i'm like but you need to understand where your parents are coming from their background their upbringing yeah. they were up like parents were like i don't know who are 30 something right now 35 for example they have like 15 year old kids who come out and they're yeah. and but you need to understand those children were brought up by parents who were very where the whole gay thing wasn't even it wasn't like they, it was ignored completely. So yeah. how can you, you should give them a space to educate themselves, help them to get educated because only then collaboration and cooperation, you can find compromises. You can, you can able to move on, you yeah. know, and you yeah. can't expect love and acceptance. I knew that my mom fully accepted me like two years ago. It, she, it was when she was already supportive of me, but fully her acceptance became when she started watching RuPaul's Drag Race, you know, and she she started incorporating herself into it yeah. because there were so many things she actually liked. Yeah. She made herself a dress for my sister's wedding based on Blair Sinclair's All-Stars. Are you serious? <laughs> she was like, I love that. So she went to his sister's and she was like, I want something like this. You know, but this is what I'm talking <laughs> Like, you need to give people chance to educate themselves, you know? Exactly. And I think we are very quick nowadays to be like, this person said one thing or they mm -hmm. maybe didn't consider everything before making some comment. And yeah. now that's it, you know? Yeah. And uh, I think sometimes people we don't know very well deserve the benefit of the doubt and our families even more. Absolutely. Because there's no, there's, families are complicated um, yeah. enough as it is, but uh, the whole queer thing doesn't make it any easier and sometimes you do have to give people a bit of time to especially if out. they come from a very conservative background yeah. like yeah. saudi arabia i cannot expect someone from saudi arabia be like fine you know like yeah. it, it's not gonna happen although i've heard it's very gay there oh uh, do you know that when they greet each other they kiss here men on the chin really? under the chin yeah the soul like, patch yeah wow even the, their their prince is doing that. He like oh. people kissing there. I'm like, you're cute. And <laughs> <laughs> but in Azerbaijan, Azerbaijan is so homoerotic. We kiss on the cheeks. I actually always hated when men kiss me on the cheeks in Azerbaijan because in Azerbaijan people love to smoke. Okay. And you know, I, I I don't like kissing smokers. Oh you know, okay. like okay. and and Azerbaijan is like, mwah, 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 and they're like, they're like, you know, and, but, but, and they, they love holding hands and walking yes, in yes, the, yes. and I'm like, how that can be okay, that's but great, sucking dick is not, you know, that's hypocrisy, yeah. you know, <laughs> right? Do you think it's hypocrisy? I feel like we're solving a lot of the world's problems in this podcast. I don't know. We, I mean, you and I, we should become presidents of the world, <laughs> you know, like, okay, no, you can be the president, I can be the queen, you know, okay. so. Deal, deal, deal. Uh, deal. Because yeah, I will, I will. I just, I, th I think you do, you will do much better with the presidential stuff because you're, <laughs> you know, I will, I will do better with the monarchy. You know? so we can Good. divide the world, you okay. know. You can take Canada, United States, you know, actually make it better, you know. Fair I can enough. take everything Fair from enough. Eastern Europe. Let's do it. I think, I think, I think, lots of people 
benefit from us becoming rulers of the world. I just want one of the countries where I get to kiss men under the chin, though. Saudi Arabia. Arabia. Yeah. Do I take it? You know, like (laughs) 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 you can take it. You can have it. You know, I have all the other countries with big penises. So I'm okay. Okay. There's enough. Georgia. Georgia. They have the biggest penises in our region. Are you serious? Yeah. Georgians. It's statistics, actually. My personal statistics. No, I'm kidding. It's. Good. It's it's statistics. Yeah, Georgians have the biggest penises, and Georgians are actually the reason why white people are called Caucasian race. Okay. Yeah, it was a British collector of skulls. Okay. Uh, he was a scientist in the nineteenth century, and he saw a scalp, a skull of a Georgian man, and it was very symmetric and everything. So he concluded that white people came from. Caucasus. Okay. And that's why the race is called Caucasian. And then there was an imprint of one of their dicks in a stone. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was a later research done by me. You know? <laughs> it was like, no, I, I, I was like a Eurovision PP contest, you know? It's like, line PP. up, you know? <laughs> Georgia. So it I was like know. African countries and Georgia, you know? <laughs> No, but there are people in Africa have big penises. You know that that's not me. It's it's statistics. They have very it's, big. I've penises. I've seen the videos. So you've you know. seen the videos, and, and you've been around much longer than me. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> you know, like. Oh boy. Yeah, it's, it's so much fun. You know, when you have someone to because when I asked my husband about like, I mean, what was the penis normal average penis size in the 12th century BC? He doesn't want to answer those questions. You know, <laughs> he gets very upset. <laughs> Because it has shortened so much, you know, and uh, <laughs> it's you're saying dicks were longer back then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now we need to like do some Jurassic Park style dick re- rehabilitation. Right. Right. I'm I'm researching this afterwards. Yes. Me too. Mon- me- monster prehistoric dick. Yeah. <laughs> I was there. Yeah. It will have some kind of a Latin name, you know, <laughs> like like Penisulus Gigantus or something. <laughs> like, like, you know. like wow. Because it's interesting. I mean, for me, ancient sex is very interesting. Because how did you know that, like, how did you come up with all the poses? Like, like what, what, how did people have sex back then? You know, that's very interesting. Was it doggy style, camel style? Like, what, what was it, you know? You know, they didn't have as much to keep themselves entertained back then. I think there was a right. lot of trial and error going on. I'm it sure. was either that or cave drawings, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So can we say that the person who had lots of cave drawings in his cave was a big loser because he wasn't getting laid? He's completely just like the, okay, the voyeur. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was like... Just making them while he was watching people. Or, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> grind, grinding away. And away. have you noticed there's not even one... Cave drawing of people having sex. I don't believe you. I've never seen one. Really? Yeah. Maybe we should Google it later. I like, but I've never seen a cave drawing of two people getting busy. That's fascinating. I'm sure there's got to be some. There's a lot of like follow up items after this discussion. I think a lot because we want. Things to be scientifically verified, I think. Especially before we invade the whole world. We need to know <laughs> stuff about it. You know? We actually sound like two aliens right now trying to invade the world. world. We're like, hmm. Looking for the monster penises. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's very funny. I, I love jokes about ancient times because I think 
uh, ancient uh, one of the uh, inspirations for my joke about this whole ancient sex and everything with the was because I I came ac- <laughs> across the history of how whales became whales you okay. know that we know today and mm-hmm. actually they were um, they used to be mammals who lived on earth right okay. and they used to look a lot like a raccoon you know like or like something like mix of a raccoon and a dog you know like a homeless dog you know and then it eventually went for to to swim to find food and just didn't come back it was got so excited you know like it was like "Ah," and became completely different species and for me it's funny it's like when your hobby gets you so far you actually forget who you are you know and you become something completely different just be careful not to go on a long walk or something. I would say you never know what you're going to come back. As, <laughs> or you so. go to laboratory and you never come back. You're like, now I am a glory hole. You know, <laughs> Ben. But you know, actually, first of all, can I tell you this has been actually amazing uh, podcast. Thank you so much. It was so entertaining, and you're an amazing guest. And I would love to have you again. You know, sounds, sounds like fun. I've really enjoyed it as well. It was very unexpectedly. Uh, <laughs> intellectual <laughs> I, I was like okay we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about dick we did talk about dick jokes a little bit though we, so we did scientific you know, way in a scientific know? very sophisticated hybrid you know i'm not german <laughs> you know <laughs> or eastern european okay sorry sorry it's very horrible to make call all eastern european you know um Slutty, I mean Slavic people, you know, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love different kinds of races. Who yeah. actually, who do you think are the most slattiest people you've ever came across? Like, what, what ethnicity? What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sluttiest people. Okay, sluttiest nationality. Okay, let's not put like even bigger sluttiest race. No, I'm kidding. It's uh, who do you think is the sluttiest nationality? Who, which ones do you think are like are easier to wow hook up with? That's a fascinating question. And it goes Azerbaijan. <laughs> I I don't know. I would almost I would almost tend to say Germans in a way though, right? I think yeah. Germans are very sexually liberated people. They are. You know? No, absolutely. I agree with you one hundred percent. You Germans. know, they know they just they're not afraid to try different things, I think, right? So I think it definitely yeah. Dutch people as well. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I think Dutch people are like at least they talk. Mm-hmm. Germans are actually okay with just coming up, you know, yeah. kind of a down scenario, you know. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. And I think that we, you know, we kind of touched on it briefly, but I'm not saying that those need. But there's a lot of places that we would think of as being kind of sexually uptight, but I think there's a lot more going on there than we think. You know, like people think the, Azerbaijan is very sexually uptight. We're one of the most biggest polyamorous countries in the really? world. Yeah. yeah, you see. So deep down, we're all whores. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I think Saudi, Saudi Arabia, Azerbaijan, everywhere. I, I am not deep down. It's very up into the surface. <laughs> <laughs> I'm opportunistic, slightly, <laughs> so why say no? You know. <laughs> but I would tell Turkish people as well. Yeah. I had a dude in 2015. He had a broken leg. Okay. I didn't have an elevator, and I I could have went to his place. I didn't want to go to his place because I was lazy. Mm. He came to my place to have sex with me. That's dedication. And he had a broken foot. Yeah. I mean, if he had it, what is your excuse? You know, it's like, like exactly. 
That's representing for Turkish people everywhere. Yeah. I think so, right? No, they they will do you. I mean, will will you be satisfied? <laughs> That's a different question, you know. But this, <laughs> but but I I appreciate it. You know the gesture. You know, I just really in big time gold star for that sexual partner. I would say, you know. Yeah. The only very... thing is that Emin, please don't sit on my leg. <laughs> I was like, too late, you know. That's how he broke it to begin with, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sex injuries are fun, don't you think? You know, it shows that you went the extra mile, I think, right? <laughs> you know? Well, like, what sex with me is not a sex injury, you know? <laughs> like, once my husband, actually, he wore the casket on his neck, you know, <laughs> because it was like, William well, sat on my face, you know, and uh, it was very, 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 very sad. The people say to me that I'm really good in bed because when I jump in it, it doesn't break, you know, and, uh, but I am good in bed. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of stuff you can say on this side that I just have to kind of. Yeah, he, he, he's it's like, I don't know for me there, but I believe you. Good <laughs> for you. You're doing a great job. You're self confident. I applaud you. Exactly. Exactly. You are so supportive. Well, Canadian people always very supportive, unless you're American. You know, and you, true, right? You. No, we're the we're the better Americans. You know? That's a, that's actually a question I forgot to ask. <laughs> I'm gonna ask it now. Yeah. Canadian Americans, for us, you are like more improved version of Americans, meaning you don't have guns, you're actually safe to leave, you know. But do you think actually it is true that like as being Canadian yourself, do you think Canada is indeed way more relaxed and accepting than United States? Um, this isn't a terribly funny answer or anything. It's uh, Canadians and Americans are like 90% the same, honestly. Okay. I think uh, we Canadians, we get very much up on our high horse and think that we're more open-minded and everything. And I do think do think we're a little bit more educated. You know, I do think we're a little more educated. Mm -hmm. um, but honestly, if you visit like a small town in Canada and you visit a small town in the States, you're going to deal with a lot of the same issues. issues, right? So I think, but I do, I do think, you know, I, if I were like trying to pick Americans and Canadians apart overseas I think if they're traveling I think maybe we dress a little bit better I think we dress a little bit better too you do just a little bit better. <laughs> I can say you do I always you know. I don't know how to tell different Canadian or Americans by the way the, the, the fashion yeah Canadians are always very neat you know very no no crazy but very look always very nice and yeah clean i would say clean not in the way dirty or not i mean clean like you don't mix crazy stuff you are very so you know we do what we can we did invent lululemon though i have to apologize for that so every time you <laughs> see the every time you see the the tights with the you know that's us unfortunately so so canada is not as great as you thought no you know? <laughs> so no sorry to burst that bubble, <laughs> burst so. that bubble but yeah. yeah but i mean but we still thank you for many things you know for many <laughs> things um Ben, would you like to tell our audience where they can find you about your shows, your Instagram, any information you want to share with them, phone number, WhatsApp? For sure. I'll put it all out there. I host a monthly showcase and lip sync battle, which um, Eamon will be taking part in in November. Not sure when this will be released, but uh, that is Go West Comedy, and that is at AHA'A, an LGBTQIA plus community center slash organization in Schöneberg, second Wednesday of the month. Otherwise, people can find me on Instagram, B-E-N underscore underscore M-A-C-L-E-A-N. I'm on Twitter and stuff too, but Instagram is probably the most relevant thing nowadays. So, yeah. 
And please go follow Ben and check his shows and everything he does because it's amazing. Okay. And Ben, thank you so much for doing the show with me. I I had so much. I had an amazing time. Me too. Thank you so Thanks. much. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation to do the podcast in my own apartment. Yeah. So. <laughs> it was like, he was like, he was like, so happy you came here because <laughs> I made it. I really made it. No, you know? thank you so much. Thank you very much. Yeah. Just, just don't tell anyone I came here. Otherwise, the bitches will make me go to their houses as well. <laughs> I'm particularly to gay people. No one else. Straight people, no, you come to me, you know. <laughs> um, guys, thank you so much for listening and watching us. And please give us a thumbs up. And remember, don't live to roast, to roast to live. Bye. Bye-bye.